0: 1971, and he might touch upon this story himself, and I don't want to steal too much of his thunder, but I understand that before he started here, he was invited to a meeting at the then Department of Native Affairs, as they called it, and warned by senior bureaucrats of that department to stay away from the campus radicals. And it was just the incentive he needed. Within six months of arriving here and commencing his studies, he not only met up with them, he had become one of them. He has been an activist for all of his life, fighting for the rights of Australia's First Nations peoples and for justice and freedom for people everywhere. He was an instrumental figure in the campaigns in the 1970s to smash the draconian acts that held down Aboriginal people in this state and for land rights, and he was a leader of the protests against the Commonwealth Games and the Bicentenary and he continues to be very active in fighting against colonisation and racism. Please welcome political activist, teacher, author and Aboriginal elder and leader, Sam Watson.
1: Thanks very much for the uh, invitation to be here. Um, We've had a long connection to this country, so, my mob are uh, part of the Shepherd people, so the Jaguar language group. And in our country, our family's country, sends from down the border ranges there, right the way through the Logan River, and up north to Sunshine Coast. So this is a special country, and uh, there are very important sites and ceremony places right the way along through this uh, through this area, uh, from the from the city, Mianjin and Bungun, um, up to the mountain, Mount Kuta, which then there's a gateway into the Great Dividing Ranges. So there's a uh, there's a number of very important song lines uh, and ceremony places right through this area. So it's a little bit sad that uh, you can walk right across this uh, this huge campus and you can't see anything that really acknowledges or even attempts to celebrate the fact that uh, this country has such an historical and cultural connection to so many uh, wide and vibrant indigenous cultures from the, from this area. because This is an important place during that uh, that time of the bunyanut harvest as well. So I started my degree out here in 1970 and as our uh, facilitator said, I was called in to meet uh, this, this white fellow by the name of Patrick Cloran. He was the uh, State Protector of Native Affairs. And he called me into his office and said, uh, look, uh, you're going to start your uh, law studies next week. And he said, what you've got to do is steer clear of those bloody ratbag radicals out there. They're all bloody communists. I want to bring the, bring the country down. So he, uh, he took me into the office and gave me uh, $20 in the welfare fund. He said, he'd buy yourself a soft drink. <laughs> next time I front him was in November of that year when we led a Smash the Axe campaign right into his office and threw about 200 coppers and uh, he bolted the other way. So, I said, look, I've still got 20 bucks, mate, you know? So, so this is, uh, this campaign's important to, to me because I was the first one in my family to to market through the university. I started my degree in 1970. Still haven't finished it yet. One day I will. One day I will. Um, but so many things happened out here. Um, and it is through that engagement, through between our mob and the, and the broader uh, so-called radical, radicalised community, uh, that we, we learnt so much. We had a number of very important state and federal conferences here. Uh, the Federal Council met here. We headed up the Smash the Axe campaign because the protectionist acts had been introduced in Queensland back in the 1890s, and the acts were still in place back then in the 1960s, 1970s. So any time I stepped out of line, I could have been shotgunned under those acts and shifted to Cherbourg, Ourobinda, Palm Island. So could have been held under house arrest because under those protectionist acts, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people had no rights. Our lives were fully regulated. Uh, so we head up the Smash the Axe campaign and we did some uh, amazing work and we reached out and set up networks uh, right through Cherbourg, Borobinda, up under Palm, up under the Cape. And we started to make uh, our mob politically aware of the history of the Acts and the way in which they regulated, controlled our lives. When the apartheid regime was actually set up in uh, South Africa, Back in the 1950s, 1960s, the administrators used the Queensland Protection Acts in order to frame their legislation. So that's how devastating they were. So that smash the axe campaign uh, was fought and fought hard, uh, and particularly during the uh, the Springbok demonstrations in July 1971, when uh, there was a, a mass campaign of national. Uh, Outrage. From the time the Springboks first landed in Perth, played in Melbourne, Sydney, and then up here in uh, Toowoomba and Brisbane. We had uh, mass meetings across this campus. We had one one brilliant meeting over there in the, the Great Court that drew, I think, about two and a half, three thousand 3,000 people, maybe even more. And Aboriginal speakers from across our community, people like uh, Aunty Kath Walker, drew knuckle? Uncle Don Brady, Uncle Dennis Walker, came out here and spoke to students, and told them about uh, the way in which the acts worked, about the appalling conditions under which Aboriginal people lived and functioned. Because even back in those early days in the 60s and 70s, the uh, arrest rates were phenomenal. The, the coppers back in those days had actual set quotas where they take their big black bands out on a Thursday and Friday night and they had a set number of blacks they had to arrest and charge. So we, we started programs, monitoring programs, and we started to go into the courts and we started to actually enter, please not guilty, to a lot of these bullshit charges. So this connection that existed between, the, that built up between the, uh, the Aboriginal community leadership and the, uh, the progressive activists from this campus was fundamental to the establishment of the, the Aboriginal Legal Services in the 1970s, 71. We also established connections with the medical school out here and that led to the establishment of the Aboriginal and the Community Health Services in 1973. We we're also able to network with the architect students who worked with our communities on how to design uh, living spaces that uh, were comfortable for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and culturally appropriate. So many things happened out here and a lot of it generated from this this area here. I mean, even later in the, in the 70s, it was the mob from Triple Z who started working with people like my uncle, Uncle Rossi Watson, to set up the, uh, the Murray radio station and they did that down there where Triple Z was at the, uh, the back of the reef. So like I said, these, this area, um, looking at it through prison of my family, through our community, through all those different struggles from the 1960s, 1970s, 1980s, the Joe campaign to, to freeze out, uh, stop the marches. Uh, so many of those great campaigns that uh, generate enormous support from the students, trade union, church groups, were headquartered here. Uh, and as, as a young kid coming through, I, I learnt so much from, from people here. Because at that time as well, back in the uh, 70, what, 70, 71, 72, it was also the beginning of the, uh, the early days of the women's movement. And a number of our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women came out to meetings in the EG Whitlam Room. It's, I don't know what it's called now. Uh, used to be a room in there anyway. So, and our women started to network with, uh, with, with white women uh, and broke down uh, the, the way in which uh, sexism operated within, within our communities and across the society generally. So a number of different levels. The uh, that that relationship that existed between our community and uh, this space physically, and the, the great leaders and radicals and activists of those of those early years, produced enormous outcomes for our mob, because we we smashed, we set up that smash the act campaign in 1970, 1971, and that took us only four to five years before those acts were actually removed from the statute books Joby Jolkey Peterson played it very smart because he converted those missions and reserves from being aboriginal missions into what they call of communities, deeds of grant and trust you always feared that, uh, that Gough Whitlam was going to convert these places into one place where, where blacks could uh, just sit back and uh, Draw the dole and, and get wipe themselves out on on booze and uh, and bad thoughts. So does Joby Delkey Peterson. But that smash the axe campaign, I said, started virtually here and uh, was carried through, reached its heights during those early 70s, and then helped deliver those those major community survival services. So this place is important to me. Uh, it stands me that there are, there are no. Uh, no records here. Nothing that uh, honours or celebrates those times or that very special, many many level uh, relationship between our mob and and uh, students from this university. So I support this campaign. I'll continue to support it, and I really do hope that at some stage the university community does do something to uh, to observe just how important this country is for our mold. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Sam.